Well, it was about an hour ago that uh, I received a phone call from Dr. Estep, and he wanted to let you know that he is praying for us, that he is thinking of us. He and the others who are in Israel at the Mount of Beatitudes uh, were there enjoying their time and just marveling at those locations where our Savior and Lord himself walked. The other day I heard a story that was quite concerning. It was about a man who had come ill and he was getting worse and worse by the day. So he went to the doctor, he and his wife, and after an extensive examination, the doctor came back very concerned and wanted to speak to the wife privately. So he called her off to a room by herself and he began to say that her husband was gravely ill. In fact, he may even die. It was stress-related, and he said, I need to give you some advice. I do believe that you need to help make his environment around the home as stress-free as possible. So my suggestion to you is, is that let him sleep in every morning as long as he wants to sleep. And when he does wake up, cook him a really good breakfast. Treat him well, bring him his newspaper, don't bring up any controversial statements, and just let his morning be very stress-free. And then as the day progresses, do the same thing with lunch. Bring him a nice lunch and help him just to be relaxed and tell him words of affirmation, building him up, and just continue to make his day just a very relaxing day, no stress. Let him take a nap in the afternoon. Then when it comes to the dinner in the evening time, also cook him his favorite meal. Sit down with him and just talk to him about pleasant things and, and let his day just be totally stress-free. I think if you do that, that perhaps for six months or a year, he might just survive. So on the way home, as the husband and wife begin to go home, the husband is quite inquisitive and he says, well, dear, what did the doctor say to you? And she said, you're going to die. <laughs> well, I want to let you know that as we approach this final Sunday of a new year, as stressful as this year has been and as stressful as the year ahead may be, I want you to know that God has better things ahead for you and I. God has great and wonderful things as we look to him that we know we can see him working on our behalf and providing for our needs as we go forward and seeking to glorify him. Today, would you turn with me to the book of Revelations? We're going to look there today. This book is a book of the future events. It's also a book of end-time events, and it speaks not only to churches of that era and that time, but it also speaks to churches that are future, and it also speaks to you and I today of how we can look to the Lord and follow His purposes and practices and know with certainty that God is on the throne. So turn with me, if you will, to Revelations chapter 3. We'll begin reading in chapter, uh, verse 7 as we look at the letter to the church at Philippi. And to the angel of the church of Philippi write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. 
Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God in my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We find here that in the scriptures that God is indeed writing, or Jesus is indeed giving John the apostle notes and letters and affirmation to churches who were existing in that day, to specifically here the church at Philippi. And it's a word of encouragement to them to keep on keeping on, to keep doing that which they have been doing, and to continue to serve him as they are doing. As we stand on the edge of a new year, and we face all sorts of uncertainties that come our way, I want to take this opportunity with you today to have a message of hope and encouragement, a a message that reminds you and I of the true nature and the true purpose of the church. Church, we need to be like Jesus spoke of here to the church at at, uh, Philadelphia, that we would have ears to hear the message of the Lord. And the message that he was giving to them is speaking to them about their pathway in which and their purpose in which they were on. And he says to them, first and foremost, I have given an unprecedented open door to you. In verse 7 and 8, he says, the one who is holy, the one who is true, the one who has the, the key of David or the opportunity, if you will, to have a door that is open, the key that opens that door to the kingdom in which they were belonging to. He is the one who says, I have given you an open door. What is that door? The doorway means an opportunity. God had given them an opportunity to be what you and I are called to be today, the witnesses of Jesus Christ. You know, from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we have, if you will, the great commission that God has given to us. And he says, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. God has given us an unprecedented open-door opportunity even today, not only like this church, but this church today, not only Philadelphia Church, but our congregation. We're living in a time when the opportunities to go forth and share the gospel message are like no other. We have one of the greatest opportunities here before us today, and we are called to go forward through that door that God has created. Now, we have just come off of a very special holiday. We've come off of the holiday of Christmas. Emmanuel, we sang, Christ with us, God with us, and He is. And He's calling us to take the opportunities that He is opening up to us and make the most of it to go forward with every part of our life and every area of our life and be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. That is why he came. He came as a baby wrapped in, in flesh, not just so that he could fellowship with us, but that he might be our Savior. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he's given you and I that same mission statement, if you will, as we are existing here today. We are to go forward as he would to seek and to save the lost. Now, I want you to know that every Wednesday night we have a congregational prayer meeting at 6 o'clock in Ellis Hall. And in those prayer meetings, we pray for the lost. We pray for your family members. 
We pray for my family members. We pray for friends and neighbors. We pray for the world. Those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we pray for the salvation of their souls. And we do so expecting God to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers because that is His will. That is His desire that people come to know Him as Lord and Savior. We are called as ambassadors for Christ, are we not? We're called to go forward allowing our lives to be representations of His life. And if we're going to truly make an impact upon the world, it means that you and I must bring our A-game. We must come the very best we can. We must prepare ourselves. We must receive the best instruction that we can. We must give ourselves to, to being prepared and trained and equipped to go out the best we can so that we might reach lost souls that Jesus is preparing to hear the gospel message. If every Christian here were to do that, if every one of you here were to go out and truly share the good news of Jesus Christ and win just one soul this new year, what would it do to this congregation? What would it do in this city? What would it do in our state if each and every one of us truly committed ourselves to be the witnesses that God has called us to be and take the opportunities that God opens up for us and just share the good news of Jesus Christ? What kind of change would it make in our own lives? I know it would change their life, but what kind of a change would it make in our own lives? It would make dramatic changes. But so often, so many times, so many of us are not really thinking about others. We're really only thinking about ourselves. That's why we don't take the opportunities that God brings our way. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to pray for those who are already saved that they might go out because the harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of individuals who you know and who I know who are really wanting to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. But our focus so oftentimes is upon our own selves and upon our own lives and what we're doing and, and what we have to do that we can't even see the opportunities that God is giving us. But every day God is opening up doors and giving us opportunity to go forward and seek and save the lost through that shared message of Jesus Christ. He is the one who holds the key. Remember, he is the one that has the key of David. He's the one that has that, that key that unlocks the door so that men and women and boys and girls can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Some of you have been like I have and you have had an opportunity to go through a door, a real door. And you were approaching that door. You wanted to go through that door, but it was shut. It was locked. And you're fumbling with your cell phone and you have purses, ladies, and men may carry other briefcases and other things and your hands are full and you're trying to get to those keys to unlock the door and then maybe your spouse or someone else comes along and unlocks it and, and you go in. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is telling you and I today. He is the one that holds the key and if we'll just walk through the doors that he opens if we'll just see the opportunities that he brings our way, which are many, and just walk through that door, great things will happen. I was visiting the hospital not long ago, and one of our members works there, and he was around with other employees from the hospital, and I looked over and recognized him, and he not only had one key ring on his belt, he had three key rings. And I looked at those keys, and I went over to greet him and say hello, and I said, do you know every key that's on your ring where it fits? And he says, I know every one of them. 
There must have been 150 keys on those rings. And he said, I can open up any door in this hospital. Well, that's the same way Jesus Christ is with our situations in life. He has the key to the kingdom and he can open up any and every door. All we have to do is look to him. All we have to do is trust in him. Jesus is the one that we are to look to and trust as we go forward, expecting him to give us the open door opportunities to tell others about Jesus. Listen, we're living in critical times. Would you not agree with that? We're living in critical times. All we have to do is look around us and we can see how the world is in deep trouble. Trouble morally, trouble physically, trouble emotionally, but most importantly, troubled spiritually. And you and I are called to go forward and, and recognize those opportunities that God is giving us and walk through those doors and be faithful to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Charles Dickens once wrote in the tale of two cities saying, it is the best of times and it is the worst of times. And I think that we certainly can identify with that statement. I know the, the church in Philadelphia could identify with that statement. They lived in an area where the Roman domination had taken place. Rome came in and certainly they destroyed many things. But Rome also brought good things. They brought better highways, better roads. They brought technology that will allow transportation to go forward easier. They brought in the Greek language where many could speak a common language and understand and communicate with one another. The church in Philadelphia also was a trading center where many came from different lands and they would trade their goods, buying and selling and mix and mingle, and they would have all sorts of people there in that city. And this church would see those opportunities and they would use those opportunities and they would bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Such should be also true of our own very lives. We're living in a day of unprecedented open opportunities to go forward. I mean, just look around at what we have in our, in our hands today. Computers, cell phones, laptops, iPads. I mean, you name it technology-wise. We, we have open doors galore, do we not? Facebook, emails, Twitter accounts. I can remember a year ago when... A group of senior adults from this church and myself went to Bulgaria on a senior adult mission trip and I was sitting there with my laptop and pulled up something called Skype. Maybe some of you know about that. And it was just like instantaneously there my wife was on the screen and we were able to talk and communicate. God has given us unprecedented open opportunities in many ways to communicate, many ways to reach out to the world that's around us and share that message which will save men's souls. And we need to recognize it today. We have a television ministry that is over 50 years uh, in life and, and we go forth every Sunday. I'm so proud of this church for being able to give the gospel message to this whole state where men and women are being saved. And we hear reports every week where phone calls come in and someone has given their life to Jesus Christ. Unprecedented opportunities. But my friends, God will open the door. The question is, will we walk through it? When we see the opportunity, when we recognize it, when we see all the things that God has blessed us with, will we walk through that door and will we take advantage of the times in which we live? God has given us this opportunity. 
And you may be saying to me, well, well Dennis, you know, I'm just really not good at speaking and, and sharing with people, you know, about spiritual matters. I, I really, I'm not really very good at doing things like that. And, you know, I really think that's more for the professionals, for people like you, for pastors and teachers and, and trained evangelists. Though, you know, those men and women who really, who really are called to do that. And may I say to you, you're called also. You and I have been given the mandate. You and I have been given the great commission to go. And to share the good news. Each and every one of us. But, but Dennis, I just don't have that ability to which I say to you as Jesus shared with this church at Philadelphia in verse 8. This church saying that they have little power or they have little strength. Now this is not a negative statement by any means. It's a very positive statement because what the Lord is saying to them is not that you do not have any power, but you have enough power. You have all the power you need to go forth and be successful at what I have called you to do. The very purpose and the very existence of the church is to make sure the gospel message is being spread to all the world so men and women and boys and girls, wherever they may live, can come to know God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is our mandate. That is our purpose. That is why we are here. And we are called to go forward with knowing that we have everything we need for life and godliness. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority has been given unto me. Go, therefore. He also said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as he spoke to his disciples before his ascension unto heaven, and he says, And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And lo, I am with you. He is there with us. We have all the power we need. That, that word that's used in verse 8 here in Revelations chapter 3 is the Greek word for dunamis. It's, the, it's the English, where we get the English word for dynamite. You have all the power you need. It's dynamite power. It's effective power. While I grew up in Georgia, uh, we used to see some people use dynamite for fishing. Um, I know J.B. Barker may be here. J.B., don't hold that against me. I just saw people do it. I didn't do it. He, he, he's a retired game warden. I, I promise I didn't do it. But let me tell you this. When people use dynamite to go fishing, they're going to catch fish. There's going to be those fish that come to the surface, and there's going to be that collection, and there's going to be that reward. And my friends, it's the same thing for you and I. When we go out in the power of God, we're going to see men and women and boys and girls come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Because we have all the power we need. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have the power, we have the ability, but it's not in ourselves, it's in Jesus. You may recall the story of Peter. Jesus had just gotten through feeding the 5,000 and he sent his disciples out upon the sea in a boat by themselves. He laid back and he went to a time of prayer. And it was about the fourth watch in the night when the storm had come or the waves had, had grew because of the winds and the, the disciples were quite frightened at what was going on. And in that night watch, they saw a, a figure approaching the boat, walking on the water, and it was Jesus. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. It is I. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, call me to walk out on the water. And he says, Come. Peter, being the brave man that he is, he, he steps up and he takes that first step out on the water and he's walking. He takes the second step. 
He's able. He, he, he's making progress. He's walking to the Lord on the water. And suddenly he begins to take his focus off of the Lord and begins to see the waves and the wind. And, and he gets a little frightened. And, and he started to sink into the water. And Jesus had to reach down and grab his arm and pull him up. And he says, oh, ye little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Do you not believe that, that I have all power? Do you not believe that, that all authority is in me? Do you not believe that I am God in the flesh? My friends, you and I, like, like Peter, we too can get out and see great things happen as we look to the Lord. Now, Peter's negative side was that he began to sink, but then the Lord grabbed him and pulled him up. But the positive side is he stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water. Any, anyone here ever done that? I didn't think so. Church, if we're ever going to walk on the water, if we're ever going to go forward and see great things in the name of Jesus because of the power that's exhibited through us, because of him, we've got to get out of the boat. If we're going to walk on water, we've got to get out of the boat. Do you hear what I'm saying? As we do, keep his word. Thirdly, we see in, here in verse 8 again, keep his word and do not deny his name. This is what the church in Philadelphia was doing. They were making progress. Perhaps they were not where they wanted to be. Perhaps they were not where they needed to be, but they were making progress. And Jesus said to them, just keep my word and do not deny my name. Folks, this is important. This is tremendously important that you and I come to a point in our lives where we keep the word of God and we do not deny the name of Jesus in every area of our life, in every situation that we go into. We see the word of God as being our power and our strength, our sword and our shield. But many in the church today are not holding to the word of God. Many believers today are not studying and, and put, giving themselves to be prepared and using the word of God but it is what we need in the life of the church. The Word. The Word of God is our answer, and it will help us go forward with effectiveness because we have learned it, we have studied it, and we are using it with effectiveness for reaching others with the good news of Jesus Christ. So many Christians today look at the Bible uh, like uh, antique car collectors look at their cars. They, they put them in places of safety and, and they keep them polished and they, they kind of keep them maintained and they want them to look good. And every now and then they'll bring them out and they'll, they'll, they'll display them and they'll look at them again and they'll make sure everything is just in the right place. And, 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 and Christians sometimes will take those Bibles and put them on the coffee table when the pastor comes and visits so he'll see it. And make sure that you know there's no dust on it, but maybe they're using it. But you know, I, I love antique cars. I love looking at them. I, I love messing around with them. I, I even want to own one one day. But more importantly than owning it, you know what? I, I want to drive it. <laughs> I want to get behind the wheel and drive that vehicle. And it's the same way with the Word of God. For you and I to have the Word of God in our hands today and not put it to use. Not put it to its effectual work. Oh, my, my, my word, this is, that's a shame. We have everything we need in, for life and godliness through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he has given us the written word of God that we might be able to use it with effectiveness to reach others with the gospel message. Are you studying it as you should? Are you learning it as you should? Are you applying it as you should? My friends, this is where we find victory every day of our lives. No wonder the world is in the mess it's in. The Christians are not applying the word of God as they should. They're not teaching the word of God as they should. They're not sharing the word of God as they should. And we wonder why our families are in such disarray. 
We wonder why our, our, our neighbors are, are having such a difficult time. We wonder why nations around the world are not where they need to be. Are we taking the word to them as we should? Are we living the word as we should? But make no mistake about it, as we live the Word of God and as we share the Word of God, my friends, there will be opposition from Satan. Verse 9, Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. You see, because the church is called to bring glory to God, because that is our mission and that is our task, that God be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. There will always be hardship. There will always be confrontation. There will always be oppression by satanic forces of evil. Therefore, we must be ready and we must be willing to go forward embracing those attacks with the strength and power of God. You see, it's only the Word of God and the Spirit of God that really changes our situations. You may recall oftentimes that, that the oppression came to the church in those early days, not by, by common people, but by religious leaders. Saul was one of those religious leaders. You might recall Saul, the Pharisee, before he became Paul, the, the prophet, the, the preacher, the teacher of God's word. He used to prosecute the church. He, he used to kill Christians. He used to drag them off to prison. But then on that road to Damascus, he met Jesus. He met Jesus and it changed everything. He met the Lord of Lord and the Kings of King and it changed his life and it changed his world and it changed him from being one who sought to destroy the church to one who was building up the church. Oh, what a difference the Spirit of God, the presence of God and His Word in our lives would make in the church today, in our lives today, if we were to give ourselves to Him and go forward fighting that fight. Listen, we're going to have a spiritual battle. Whether you want to engage in that battle or not, whether you want to win that battle or not, God is telling you because you're a Christian, because you look to the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, there will be spiritual warfare taking place. Be ready. Be ready to win. Be ready to engage. And knowing that indeed as you do and as you go forward, changes will come. As the future comes, as we recognize that good and faithful day of the Lord return is approaching, he gives this final statement in verse 10 and 11. Jesus promises to keep us in the great tribulation and he says, because you have kept my word of perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world you will have tribulation, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. Oh, my friends, you and I have a lot of things that we're looking at coming down the road, the future. We look to the new year about to approach, and we don't really know what all is coming. We don't know how we're going to survive. We don't know what we're going to do. But I can tell you this, we're drawing closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And as that day draws closer and closer, it is my personal belief that the church will not be here in that great tribulation period that is spoken of in the, in the book of Revelation. I have that view for several reasons. One is right here in this very verse. Jesus says, I will keep you from that hour of testing. I believe the rapture, the, the catching up of the church and uh, the presence of the Lord is going to come before that great and terrible day. The second one is 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, which says, God has not destined us for wrath, 
but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to come a day when the Lord returns. It's going to be a time of testing, he says. It's going to be a a great tribulation, a hardship and the wrath of God coming upon the earth like we've never seen, like man has never known. The question for you and I today is, is are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord face to face? Are you ready to go stand in His presence? Have you done everything you can do? Because you see, when we stand before the Lord, there will be a judgment, even for Christians. Have we indeed followed Him as we should? There will be a judgment for every idle word. There will be a judgment for every false deed and every negative thing that we've ever done. But there's also going to be rewards for those things which we have done right and we've been true to the Word and we've glorified Him with our lives. There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be rewards given. And my friends, the answer is, yes, Lord. It should be from our hearts. Yes, Lord, I've done all that I can do. I've been faithful. But so many are not ready. So many have not followed the Lord. So many have not shared their faith. And when we go to meet with the Lord, how many are going to go with you? Because of your testimony, because of your witness, because of your sharing your faith in Jesus Christ and inviting them to come to know someone else, how many will ascend unto the throne of God and stand before Him with you? We're living in a time when doors are wide open to share our faith. That door may close soon. Does that mean that no one will be saved during the great tribulation? Oh no, the the church may be gone, but the Spirit of God will still be moving upon men's hearts. There will still be opportunity for those to be saved, but it will be such a hardship. It will be such death and destruction going on because of the Antichrist. That great tribulation comes with the Antichrist coming and it ends with Jesus Christ coming. And he will be victorious. He's victorious even today in my life and in your life. But are you ready? Have you helped others be ready? It's a time when you and I must recognize that it is growing short. Little time is left for us to be effective in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is our purpose. That is why the church exists. That's why we're here. And anything else that does not come into play with that doesn't need to be done. Everything that we do must center around the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today I hope that that is your attitude. Kim Lyons once wrote, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only cash we have. Spend it wisely. Spend it wisely. Perhaps you're here today and you're living off of borrowed money. Perhaps you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring or what's going to happen. But I can promise you this. If you know Jesus Christ and you follow him with all of your heart, no matter what comes, he will give you victory. Father, today how we thank you for the promise of your word and how we recognize that even though difficult times exist, we know that you are the one who holds everything in your hand. Lord Jesus, you have the keys to the kingdom and you have called us out, giving us great ability. Move in our hearts, Lord, that we might bow the knee before you. 
that we might serve you well. Most importantly, if there is one here today that does not know you, I pray that your spirit, O oh God, would speak to their hearts about the need to look to you, to trust you, that in their heart of hearts they know that there's a vacancy, there's a void, and you're the only one that can fill it. You give life eternal. You give power and hope for living. You straighten out all the crooked paths and you make the, the high places flat. Lord, may we trust you. May we as the church of the living God recognize that through your power and strength, we can do all things through Christ. May with all we are, Lord, reach out to others to share this love in which we ourselves have embraced. We pray your blessings upon the new year that come, that we would be all that you have created us to be. And that in all of our doing, oh God, we would see the opportunities that you give to share the good news of Jesus Christ. May it build up, I pray, your kingdom and may it bring glory and honor to you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.